0: 11 through 13 will be the basis of our devotional thoughts this evening. I want to call this little talk this evening, Four Conditions with a Promise. Four Conditions with a Promise. Four Conditions, each condition has a promise attached to it. You'll be able to see this as we read. Beginning verse 11. 2 Timothy 2, this saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, then he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. This is one of several of Paul's faithful sayings. Other faithful sayings that he has in his books. One would be 1 Timothy 1 in verse 15. He says this is a faithful saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Another one would be 1 Timothy 3. Verse 1, this is a faithful saying that if a man desires the office of a bishop, then he desires a good work. Also in 1 Timothy 4 verses 8 and 9, Paul says that knowing that um, godliness has the promise of not only this life but that which is to come, then that is a faithful saying as well. Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, Paul says, This is a faithful saying that if we have believed in him, then we also are devoted uh, to good works. And so in the midst of several of Paul's faithful sayings, we have this one here. This is a trustworthy saying, faithful saying, and we find this in 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13. And so four conditions with a promise a condition is all about circumstances and consequences. You have, have a set of circumstances and the way we abide with those circumstances uh, shows us the consequences that will follow. And the word if is often used along with these conditions. The word if is used. As children, we learn very fast the ideal of consequences and conditions. For example, a child learns really early that if you will eat your carrots then perhaps you can have some ice cream. A better consequence there would be coffee. But, or a child learns if you'll do your homework then you can go play. Or if you, if you will do your chores first, then perhaps you can watch a movie later. And we grow up with consequences and with conditions. We know that if we keep our cars maintained, most of the time that means that they will last longer. And not only do we learn that in life, but the gospel is full of, of these type of conditions. We'll just mention a few of these. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 and 2, Paul mentions that he's declared unto the Corinthians uh, the gospel which they received wherein they stand and um, by which they're being saved if they hold fast to the word that he preached. And so the gospel would, would save them And continue to save them if they hold fast to the word that he preached. Another of these conditional statements is found in Galatians 6 and verse 9. Where Paul says we do not need to be weary in well doing. Well doing for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. If we do not faint. We see the condition uh, there. In Colossians chapter 1, 22 and and 23, Paul says that Christ is anxious to present on judgment day, he's he's anxious to present us as as holy and blameless and without reproach if we continue in the faith and that we stay uh, with the gospel. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son cleanses us. In 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we see several of these conditions in the gospel. And we have our statements right here in Second Timothy uh, 2. So four conditions with a promise. Notice it for yourself. We'll just read through the text. Condition number one is found in verse 11. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. So condition number one has to do with a death. A death. If we have died with him. This refers to the the conversion process. The process of one first coming to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. When one repents, turns from his sin, he dies to the love and practice of sin. He dies to the love and practice of sin. In other words, he resolves in his heart that he will make every effort to turn away from Satan and his temptations and his ways and his sins and dedicate himself to the holy God and dedicate himself to being holy before the holy God. That's what it means when it says here, if we have died with him. Okay. Let's notice some passages that back uh, this up. Be turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. And notice with me uh, verse number 20. Verse number 20 of Colossians uh, chapter 2 Notice what Paul says Colossians 2:20 He says if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to these regulations In other words Paul's reminding them when you became a Christian you died to the ways of the world and he's asking them why as if you're still in the world Why, as if you're still alive to the world, why are you still partaking of the things of the world? It is a senseless thing. If you are a Christian, you have died to the ways of the world. Notice that in Colossians 2 and verse 20. Notice in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seat the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. For, notice Colossians 3, verse 3, for you have died. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay. So notice that carefully. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice this idea in 1 Peter 2, 24. A most Inspiring passage, verse 1 Peter 2 and 24. Talking about Jesus and his sacrifice, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. See that? Why did Jesus bear our sins on the tree? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Okay. It also might be good to refer to Galatians 2 verse 20. Where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. and the life that I now live by faith. I, I live for the one who died and loved me. Okay. But Notice that I am crucified with Christ. This process of coming to Jesus and dying to sin, dying to the love and practice of sin, is connected to baptism. It is connected to baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. Notice this with me in Romans 6, beginning in verse 2. So the way we explain the Bible is to notice the Bible. So often the Bible explains And all we have to do is just kind of notice it. Galatians 6 and verse 2, beginning. Galatians 6 and verse 2, beginning. Well, we're just beginning in verse 1. Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, he says. How can we who died to sin, notice that, how can we who died to sin live any longer therein? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Continue in verse 5, Galatians 6, Romans 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old man, our old self, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be destroyed, brought to nothing, so that we no longer should be enslaved to sin. Romans 6 verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. When we die to sin, it is in that process that we are set free from sin. This involves not only repentance, turning away from sin, a determination, but it also involves submitting, surrendering to Christ in the act of baptism for the remission of sins. And so it certainly is the case that when we become a Christian, We have a lot of growing to do. But it also is the case that becoming a Christian is not for a child. Becoming a Christian takes a lot of thought. It takes some knowledge. It also takes some determination. It takes an understanding of what sin is and the consequences of sin. It takes an understanding of why Jesus had to come and die for sin in the first place. And so there's the conversion uh, process. So, in 2 Timothy 2, our first condition is death to sin. We have died with him. Years ago, a, a series was popular called The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. And those are good words because, in two different senses in the Bible, you find the Walking Dead. Before we come to Christ, we are dead in sin, according to Ephesians 2 1 through 3. We are dead in sin. In fact, Paul describes a lady in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 6 who gives, her ple- gives herself to pleasure, she is dead while she lives. In other words, she is so self indulgent, she is so hooked on her pleasure that she's walking around but she dead, she's dead while she lives Okay, that's one sense of being the walking dead but another sense is in a good sense the very thing we've been talking about Okay, we live now for Christ on earth but we are dead we're dead, not dead in sin now we are dead to sin but we're still the walking uh, dead okay. now notice here This first condition condition, that we will die with him, notice the promise that is with it. We shall also live with him. The promise attached to this one is we shall also live with him. Okay. Paul mentions uh, right here in 2 Timothy 2 verse 10 that the salvation in Jesus Christ comes with eternal glory. And that seems to be what he's talking about here when he says, If we die with him, we shall live with him. In other words, we will be able to enjoy the salvation with eternal glory. Notice that little phrase in 2 Timothy 2 and uh, verse 10. A further reflection on, on this heavenly promise is found in Titus chapter 1, 1 and 2. Paul says, He writes in hope of eternal life, Titus 1 verse 2. He writes in view of God who cannot lie and he's the one who has promised eternal life. He exactly says it like this. He says, I am writing in hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. That's the hope. That's the hope. If you want to flip back to the book of Colossians 3 since we were reading there just a moment ago, Right at the first of the chapter again, this time in verse number 4, notice the tremendous promise. Verse 3 had just said, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. And that's, that's it right there. If we truly die with Christ, then the promise is we shall appear with him in glory. So condition number one is dying with Christ. Okay. Notice in 2 Timothy 2, going back to 2 Timothy 2, now in verse 12, the second condition is if we endure, if we endure, then we shall also reign with him. So notice first a condition. If we endear, endure. The ideal of endearing is to bear up, to hold out, and to keep going. To bear up, to hold out, and to keep going. When I was reading this earlier, I thought about the times when I would watch my dad and my uncle and other Friends that would come whenever they would uh, re-roof a house and have the shingles, they would just do it together. Um, and I was so impressed that they could get a pile of shingles and put it on their shoulders, and then up the ladder they would go. And then they would be up there early in the morning on top of the roof, and they would hold out. So they would bear up, they would hold out, and they would just keep going until the job uh, was done. It was obvious. It was obvious that what they were carrying was was quite heavy because of the impact that the ladder would make in the ground. And I remember as a little boy watching the weight of their body and the weight of those shingles on top of them be placed upon the ladder and the ladder would move in such a way that you could tell that there was quite a bit of weight that they were bearing. That's the idea of endurance is to bear up, to hold out, and to keep going. Keep going. Okay. And so that's a condition that is required of us. This is not about being able to endure the common aches and pains that everybody endures. This is, this is not what the Bible is saying. Okay. God, God wants the best for us in life, and he doesn't. Enjoy us having aches and pains of everyday life. But this is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about endearing the suffering and the sacrifice that comes to a life that has given himself, herself to Christ. Okay, has more to do with what Paul says in Philippians 3, uh, 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ and, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. the fellowship of his sufferings Paul wanted to be able to suffer in a manner like Christ uh, suffered Acts 5.41 we remember Peter and John after they were were beaten by the officials they went forth rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer uh, for the name of uh, Jesus that's more what is being talked about here when he says if we endure we endure; we shall also reign with Him. The greatest way of bringing this idea of endurance into our lives is to think of Jesus' endurance. Much of what we reflected upon this morning—how that Jesus had to holler out in pain because of the pain that He was enduring on the cross—and Jesus had a very uh, isolated feeling. On the cross, all that he endured on the cross. The apostle reflects upon this in Hebrews 12 and verse 2. He says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You see, the cross was something that he endured. He endured. And Jesus came to suffer in our behalf. The religious writer Charles uh, Swindle. Writes in one of his books that he saw a painting, saw two paintings uh, about the boyhood of Jesus. One was had Jesus as the carpenter's son coming into the woodworking shop one morning getting ready to help his dad. And as Jesus did that, he stretched, he just stretched because it was morning time and he's getting ready to work. And so he just stretched. And the painting catches the shadow of Jesus stretching out his arms and it looks a lot like sort of a preview of Jesus being on the cross. And another painting that he reflected upon was, shows Jesus as a boy coming, running to his mom and stretching out his arms ready to embrace and be embraced by his mom and again The painting captures the shadow of his arms going out, which reminds us of the very suffering and the endurance that Jesus uh, took on for our behalf. And so, like our Savior, uh, we must endure. We must endure. And if we endure, it says here, we shall also reign with him. The idea of reigning with Jesus carries the idea of sharing kingship with him. Can you imagine this? This is another description of heaven. We saw in verse 11 that if we die with him, we shall also live with him. That's heaven. That's being with him in eternal glory. But here's another way of describing heaven. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. That is, we will share kingship with him. Okay. So let's see this in other verses. Look at Revelation 3 and verse 21. It's one of the best ones to go to right off the bat. Revelation 3, 21. Notice the promise that is uh, made by Jesus here. Revelation 3:21. The one who overcomes. Revelation 3.21. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered, overcame, and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can you imagine that? So, not just to be with the Lord in heaven, in glory, but also to be able to reign with him. Add to that, Second Peter one verse eleven speaks about us being richly granted or richly provided that's the way it goes. Second Peter one verse eleven will be richly provided an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Okay. Eternal kingdom. Jesus speaks of it this way in Matthew 25:34. He will look to those on his right hand on judgment day. He will look to those on his right hand and say, "Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world." And so the promise here is, we shall also reign with him. The condition is that we, if we endure, if we endure, we shall also. Reign with Him. In one sense, we also, we are already kingly. We're we're already royalty in being a Christian, because we have become a child of the King. In fact, First Peter two nine calls us a royal priesthood. That's who we are right now. We are a child of the King now. We're already royalty. But once we get to heaven. Uh, this existence will be eclipsed by a greater sense of being right at the throne of God. So condition number one, that we die with him. Condition number two is we must endure. And condition number three says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now the first two conditions are quite positive. But the second two cause us to look at ourselves rather closely. If we deny him, he will also deny us. This reminds us of a couple of passages, Matthew 10, 33, 32 and 33. Jesus says, if we confess our faith, we confess Jesus before men, he will also confess us before the heavenly Father. But if we deny him before men, then he will deny us before our heavenly Father who is in heaven. Okay. Also, might want to reflect upon this very similar passage, Mark chapter 8 and 38 Mark 8:38. Jesus says, "For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father." With the holy angels. So if we deny him, he will also deny us. How is it that we might be guilty of denying the Father? Well, we can deny the Father by the way we live. Okay? If we don't live out our faith, then we end up denying the Father. For example, in First Timothy five and verse eight, Paul says, If any man will not provide for his own his own household, then he has denied the faith and has become worse than an infinite, infidel. One of the many responsibilities of, of a Christian man is to provide for his own, his own family, his own household. Okay. And, but that's just one of many. So we can deny the Father by not living out our faith. We can also deny the Father by following false teaching. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2. And verse 1, one, Second Peter chapter two, verse one. He mentions the phrase there that some end up denying the master that bought them because they they follow uh, destructive heresies. Okay. But let me read it to you just outright. He says, Second Peter two, verse one. But false prophets also are among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon them swift destruction. See, if we follow false ideals of any sort, then that is denying the master. The master there is Jesus. The buying process is that when, when we obey Christ, his blood purchases us. He, he buys us. He buys us out of slavery. We are a slave to sin before we come to Jesus. And when we come to him, then his blood does a purchase, it's a buying process. And so, but we can end up, if we follow false ideas, we can end up denying the one who bought us. So there are several ways to deny uh, the Father. One that kind of haunts me is found in Matthew 7. 21 through 23, where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he says, on that day, judgment day, many will come to me and say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, uh, did we not uh, in your name cast out demons? Lord, in your name did we not do many mighty works? And Jesus will look to them and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. I never knew you. I wonder what happened there. I wonder what that scene is about. How did these folks that Jesus is picturing for us, how did they become workers of iniquity if they had been prophesying in his name, casting out demons? No, everybody had that that privilege of prophesying and casting out demons and doing many mighty works, I think he's referring to here to leaders in the church who became prideful. That's at least one possibility because those who prophesied and those who cast out demons, those who were leaders in good works were indeed leaders in the church, but their pride lifted them up and Jesus looked to them And said, I never knew you. Why would he say, I never knew you? Because pride is the very opposite of Jesus. It's the very, very opposite of our Lord. and So he naturally would never have known them. But we can deny the Lord. In Matthew 10, when Jesus says, Whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father. The context there is a fear. A fear. Several times, if you just read in that context, from Matthew 10, 25 onward, and you can just read it for yourselves, we'll just make a reference to it. Several times, four or five times, he says, fear not, fear not, fear not. He says, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, then what do you think they're going to do to those who are members of the household? They're going to make you suffer. They're going to persecute you. So he says, get ready, do not fear, do not fear. The Father is watching after you, do not fear. To fear is to deny the Father. And so several ways that we can deny the Father. We can deny the Father by not living out our faith. We can deny deny Him by following false teaching. We can deny Him through pride. We can deny Him through a heart of fear. If we deny Him... He will also deny us. So that's condition number three. And then the final condition is, if we are faithless, nevertheless, He remains faithful. He abides uh, faithful. To be faithless is about the same thing as as denying the Lord, uh, we would say. What's this condition saying? This condition is saying, even if we are faithless, that does not nullify the faithfulness of God. Okay. He will still be faithful. In other words, he will still carry out his promises regardless. If we, if we die to sin and we endure, then he will carry out, he will be faithful to carry out his promise of rewarding us. But if we deny, if we are faithless and we deny him, then he will also carry out the threats that are issued uh, with those. So see here, if you will, these four conditions, these four conditions were the promise. Condition number one, to die with Christ. Condition number two is to endure uh, for him. Condition number three, if we deny him, he would deny us. Condition number four, if we are unbelieving, faithless, then he still will be faithful. He has to be faithful because he cannot deny himself. In other words, God cannot lie. He cannot deceive. Okay? He is so true that whatever it is that we do, he will be faithful to the promise abiding with it. One thing that came to my mind when I thought about faithlessness, I thought about Thomas again, John twenty, twenty-seven. Thomas had said, I will not believe until I see the marks on his body. Until I see his hands, I see his side. And Jesus allowed Thomas to see that evidence. Reach your hand here, Thomas, to my side. Feel my hands, Thomas. And Thomas said, my Lord, and my God. Jesus said, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those like us who have not seen up close and personal and yet we still believe. Even though we're not really there, we weren't there with Jesus to be able to see those hands, still we have a vivid picture of what he did for us. Let us look at his conditions and let us follow him. Going back for a minute to this religious writer his name is Charles Swindle. He's good at painting pictures, or at least noticing pictures. He saw this picture of Jesus. This that he saw was like a, was like a, a strip of, of cartoons. So not cartoons, but pictures of Jesus. It was a picture in the first frame. There is a picture of the resurrected Jesus. And then in the second frame, there's a little girl approaching him, approaching the resurrected Jesus. And she stops just short of Jesus. And then in the third frame, she asks Jesus, What is wrong with your hands? And Jesus, in the next frame, just picks up the little girl and embraces her. And then in the next frame... You see the little girl running away, happy. And then the final frame has Jesus saying, maybe one day she will understand. And what about us? Do we understand those scars? Do we understand the faith that is needed to follow the Savior of the lowly Nazarene? I hope that we understand. And I hope... Personally, I can come to understand what those hands of Jesus really mean to the world today. We invite you to the Lord Jesus this evening. We have mentioned several things, but very basically, we must die to Christ, endear with Him, never deny Him, and stay faithful. Is it possible for a person, once they come to Jesus, to lose their soul, We have seen this, that it is possible, but these are words from the Apostle Paul to Timothy to encourage us. If you need to come home to the Lord this evening, please make that known as we stand together and as we sing, Brother Ben.